Christmas falls. It's been a hot minute. How you doing? I took the month of September off. Everybody needs a vacation. And now we're back in October. And what is the hot button issue of the moment? Well, it's the election. And I suppose that bundles in a bunch of different issues. I, uh, I feel like they're fresh in my mind because I just now got home from the all-candidates debate. We heard a lot from all the candidates uh, for council seats, as well as the real uh, the, the, the big-ticket debate, the mayoral candidates. We got two this time around. Every four years, we get to cast our votes. And this time, our choice for mayor is uh, it's to re-elect our current mayor, Sean Panko, or... To put our faith in the challenger, Justin Duhamel. Now, I'm not here to sway anybody one way or the other. I am just here today to bring you the facts. And uh, the facts come by way of, well, just being there. I brought my microphone and my little recorder, and uh, that's this episode. We got a special edition for you. It only happens every four years, so I thought I would go and cover it. Here, in case you missed it, in case you, you didn't go or, or you haven't caught it by any other sources, this is the full, unedited debate between our two mayoral candidates. Have a listen. Ladies and gentlemen... I could have your attention, please. We'll proceed with the second part of the evening, the, uh, the mayor's um, debate or the introduction of the mayoral candidates. Slightly different format. Uh, each of the, uh, the two parties will, be, will have three minutes to introduce themselves. Um, it'll be a bit repetitious in terms of what the questions are, but they were all great, great questions, so they will be similar, and we will have uh, hear from both candidates in terms of their views on the issues that came up earlier with the councillors. After the questions, and there may be time for um, questions from the audience, again, I would reserve the right to uh, rule a question out of order. And then there'll be, at the end, each of the candidates will have two minutes to sum up. We did draw straws or drew a card, and Justin, you won or lost. So Justin will go first and last. So Justin Duhamel. Welcome. Thank you you everyone for coming out, um, participating in the democratic process. I really appreciate that. Um, It's a great honor to be speaking to so many people that I respect so much and on a topic that means so much to me, so close to my heart, which is my hometown, Smith Falls. Um, And that's really a tremendous honor for me tonight. So thank you. Um, My name is Justin Duhamel, as some of you know. I'm running to be mayor of Smith Falls. Um, As far as my qualifications go, I have a bachelor's degree from McGill University and the City University of Hong Kong in political science and history. Um, I owned a business in Smith Falls for seven years, um, the Groggery. Some of you may have spent some evenings there or heard about it. and um, so, yeah, that's my, my background. Um, <clears throat> I'm currently studying um, public administration. Uh, that's a, um, a master's uh, degree, um, or master's certificate, uh, master's level certificate in public administration. And I'm also a writer 
um, freelance writer about politics. Um, so that's that's what I currently do. Um, about my agenda for town, um, I, the reason I'm running is to give the people of Smith Falls um, a, an opportunity to have a choice um, that we wouldn't just have a mayor acclaimed like some other municipalities have, um, which is unfortunate because we want to always have a, a robust debate about issues, and there's certainly many issues that are facing Smith Falls today. Um, so I'm hoping to bring um, some liveliness to that debate and some competition in the realm of ideas to our community, because that's what we deserve, to have a competition of ideas and have the best, uh, the best prevail in the end. Um, so my main motivation in running is to restore um, democratic norms in Smith Falls. Over the last four years, we've seen an erosion in the norms of public consultation, public engagement. Um, we've seen some steamrolling of unpopular policies over the people of town, um, and that's led to some dramatic um, consequences, a whole year of protest. So I'm going to be fighting to restore democratic norms. Also getting tough on crime. Smith Falls is in a crime epidemic as far as I'm concerned. Um, addressing the crime issue is extremely important uh, for me. Um, also achieving affordability through sustainable growth. We've all seen what uncontrolled and unproductive growth can, what impact that can have on the community. And we have to have affordability through, through sustainable growth. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. Mr. Panko. Good evening, and thank you, everyone, for, for attending tonight or, or tuning in from home. This community can work for everyone. That means everyone is welcome, everyone can enjoy an incredible quality of life here, and everyone has the opportunity to build a better future for themselves and their families. That means everyone should have an affordable home that meets their needs. That means people living with disabilities can also enjoy the town as much as those without limitations. That means people living in poverty can gain access to supports they need and have a hope that there are brighter days ahead. Although Smith Falls has long been a welcoming community, it is this desire for greater equality and inclusion that motivated your current council to initiate and complete numerous projects over this term. Accessibility was a driving factor behind the redesign of Beckwith Street, a result that led to the town and persons winning the National Transportation Association of Canada Small Communities Award for delivering a project with wide, fully accessible sidewalks, placing pedestrians as a priority, accessible barrier-free parking spaces and curb lines, streetscaping, and public realm improvements. Enabling accessibility was also a driving factor in the redevelopment of the municipal complex, including the installation of an elevator to the second floor council chambers. The development of Town Square and the new parkette on Russell Street, along with park improvements, that we can all enjoy, also speak to your current council's commitment to improving the quality of life for all citizens. Pedestrian bridges, improvements at Lombard and Abbott, and the development of an active transportation plan are further examples of actions designed to contribute to the safety and function of your community. The council's work is far from complete. So many of our downtown businesses are not accessible. Many sidewalks in town still require improvement. Housing, for, housing affordability is a growing challenge. Food insecurity is rising and, and infl with inflation, and too many of our families are facing serious limitations. 
Members of your current council have initiated actions that will lead to solutions addressing these issues and more. Given the opportunity to once again serve as your mayor, I commit to once again leading the way. Thank you. Thanks very much, Sean. So the questions will be repetitious. Um, however, as I said, it's important that we hear from the mayoral candidates. So, put my glasses on here so they can read them. The first one uh, relates to Old Slides Bridge. And so, what's your stance on the, or do, will you vote in favor to replace Confederation Bridge? Don't say Old Slides, sorry. And what kind of replacement do you support? Pedestrian, mixed pedestrian, bicycle, or pedestrian automobile? Who'd like to handle that first? Sure. Sean? Okay. Sean? Honestly, I struggle with this because I hear feedback from people who really want to see a vehicular bridge replaced there. And I also hear from people who say, please don't destroy our park by putting vehicles back through Confederation Drive. It's so much better that the vehicles are not traveling through there. Um, at the same time, we know we, we, we function fine without this bridge for the last seven years. The improvements at Abbott and Lombard have made a significant difference in the time it takes to get through that intersection after the swing bridge reopens. I think the longest I've sat there is probably seven minutes, and it's not an unpleasurable experience. Um, the tab of somewhere around $3 million is a tough pill to swallow. Uh, it's not a grant that would attract any provincial or federal dollars. Um, and after Transportation Bridge, there is a grant program that could probably get up to half the cost of it covered. Uh, that would help it alleviate some of my, I guess, my reluctance from that standpoint. Um, as has been said by some of the council members who are, or sorry, candidates for council who were here earlier, we're, we're awaiting a development plan for the old water treatment plant and some guidance as to what the developer wants to see happen in that area. Uh, the, the original 2010 waterfront redevelopment plan, downtown revitalization plan, um, spoke to closing that bridge and turning that entire park space into a greater people place. We've made efforts over the last number of years to improve the quality of life here and create more people places. Uh, I, I know people will disagree with me. It's not a bridge we need. It's a bridge we may want. And at that cost, I'm not sure it's something we can afford because we, we can't make it in that decision in isolation. We have to put it in context with all the other financial responsibilities we have, including what is close to a $100 million infrastructure deficit. That means all kinds of work we need to do to repair what was built long before any of us were born. So um, I can't give a definitive answer. However, if a majority of council, uh, the next council believes that's the direction they want to go, I will support that. Thank you. <laughs> Justin, your thoughts? Yeah, um, this is a, a very important topic. Um, this is about uh, Smith Falls' heritage. Um, Smith Falls is a community built around the water. It's always been uh, that way, and it's part of our nature. Um, we've seen with this council and previous councils having issues recently with bridge constructions. We all remember that uh, the, the Confederation Park bridges were downed for uh, multiple years, um, with, totally useless, um, those islands inaccessible. Um, so, you know, we, we need to, as a community, come together and realize that Bridges are a responsibility when you're a community that's on the water, and this is uh, fundamentally a bridge that, um, as Councillor Brennan said earlier, is part of the fabric of the community, and that's part of our heritage, and it needs to be restored. Um, I don't entirely trust all the um, the budget numbers that have been coming from the town about the bridge. 
Um, I think that, you know, there's, there is a risk that we're going to see a repetition of the sort of bait and switch, uh, switcheroo that happened uh, with the Beckwith Street design, where it was originally supposed to cost $4 million and it ended up costing $9 million. Um, so, you know, we need to get down to brass tacks when it comes to the next council addressing this issue and looking at what the real cost is actually going to be and that we're not just considering that uh, there's an inflated number on, you know, the, the vehicular bridge versus the pedestrian-only bridge. Um, and this leads into another issue, and that is that we need to start looking at town infrastructure strategically rather than ideologically. Um, and that pertains to the sort of wishy-washy um, sort of um, indeterminate answers that we're seeing uh, with regards to this bridge, that whether we want it to be a, a pedestrian only or a vehicle and pedestrian bridge, we definitely want to see both um, both uh, usage, both usages for this uh, structure, and that's what I intend to implement if I'm elected mayor. Thank you, Justin. Sean, did you want to re uh, say anything in rebuttal to that? Uh, I guess just oh. um, when we get uh, estimates from engineers, uh, it's based on current realities. They go through an extensive process to measure the crossing. Uh, do the measure the load uh, to calculate what an estimate a cost estimate would be. Um, they can be off, and as we learned through COVID, uh, with expenses rising, the cost of Beckwith Street did go up significantly, other above what had originally had been forecasted. Um, so when we get an estimate for a bridge, we rely on it. It's probably I think it's plus minus thirty percent is what the engineering forecast would say when it comes to cost. So if it is three million dollars might be 2.1, might be close to 4, uh, or over 4, um, based on the 30% range of, of, I think, Class D estimates. Uh, but other than that, it's, it's, uh, the bait-and-switch uh, suggestion is, is, doesn't, doesn't carry any truth. Thank you. All right. I'll, I'll read this question, and uh, Justin, I'll ask you first. Uh, the hospital is the most important health care facility in our community and one of the largest employers. Local contributions are key to the survival of the hospital and the vast majority of medical equipment, including beds, that the doctors and nurses need does not come from the government. In spite of the generous contributions of residents, the cost of equipping the hospital with modern life-saving equipment continues to increase. Recently, most of the local and county municipalities served by the hospital will be making annual contributions to the hospital to support key capital needs. Will you support this continuing effort? Absolutely. Absolutely, I do support um, maintaining and even increasing the capital allowance for the hospital. Um, as we've seen through, through COVID and before and after, um, the hospital is a cornerstone of the community. It's an, a major employer, and it's a major provider of absolutely vital services to our residents. And it's going to be number one priority to make sure that they have uh, what they need, especially in light of provincial government um, budget irrationality, I would describe, uh, withholding money from emergency departments across the province. Um, but that's to do with the, another level of government. But we need to absolutely be supporting them at the municipal level as well. Thank you. Sean. Yeah, um, I was fortunate to serve in the Smith Falls Community Hospital Foundation for about 10 years and I think a couple of years as chair. Uh, and I was involved with a steering committee that was trying to look at the $30 million problem. Where, how is, is the hospital foundation, the hospital itself and the foundation is going to raise what was forecast to be $30 million over 10 years? And through that process, um, 
we conceived the concept of getting municipal support. And a lot of work went into determining how much should each municipality pay based on population, based on patient load, based on wage, wage assessment. So the formulation was conceived and each municipality was allocated a dollar amount that would be appropriate for us to support. Um, Smith Falls was the first municipality to commit $175,000. Um, our leadership um, eventually led to what has now been over $2 million raised between the various municipalities within the area. Um, I and, and Perth Mayor uh, Fennec uh, did a roadshow with hospital executives and, and board members uh, to the various municipalities at the time to try to ensure that they understood the challenge, understood the opportunity, and that we all had to be part of this game to ensure our hospital is sustainable. And we, we know that without that support, the hospital would not be able to achieve uh, it, what it needs to get the capital equipment we all need for our various procedures. And if you haven't got the capital equipment, you likely don't have the medical professionals here doing their job either. Uh, we need to make sure they're properly equipped so that they can do their job and look after all of us as we all age. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. <laughs> Justin, anything you'd like to add to that? No. Okay. All right, the other hot-button issue. What are your thoughts on inviting a proposal from the OPP to change our policing? All right, Sean, it's your turn to go first. Sure. Uh, 2014, um, I, I did, as, as, as in running for mayor at that point in time, I did suggest we should seek an OPP costing. And it was introduced to that council. Uh, we considered it carefully, and council decided not to proceed with the costing. At the time, based on the research that I, that I completed, based on a new funding formula that was emerging from the OPP, uh, we, we would have saved money. I'm confident we would have saved money. Um, even at the highest OPP costing in the province, we probably would have saved about a million and a half to two million dollars a year. But we're not compared apples to apples. And 90% of the cost of policing is personnel. And as been mentioned, our officers earn 97% of the OPP wage. So they're underpaid compared to the OPP. So the only thing that's going to change, what would change if we went to the OPP is we would have, we would be part of a regional detachment. Uh, we wouldn't have dedicated officers within our community all the time. And we would not, have, you could you can pay for community service uh, at additional cost, you can pay for some additional services, but it, there would be, it would not be the policing service that we have today. I've served the last two terms on the police service board, and it's given me incredible insight. Um, so operationally, the police look at the police chief is in charge. The police service board governs the police department, hires the chief, deputy chief, makes decisions at the governance board level. But town council decides how we're policed, OPP or municipal service. So at this stage, uh, understanding what I've learned over the last few years, the police service board did get a reduction in the budget um, the previous term. Uh, one person retired, one person moved. We didn't replace them. But based on the challenges in staffing today, uh, as has been mentioned across, across the board, uh, I'm uncomfortable with the current service. I think uh, we were, more, we're much better financially today, we can much better afford the service we have today, and I think it would create too much of a, of a disruption and change to the level of service in our community if we went with OPP. Thank you, John. Justin, your thoughts? Yes. Um, I do plan on initiating, as soon as I'm elected, an OPP costing. Um, it's a process that takes um, a, a bit of time. Um, so in the meantime, um, what I would do is actually initiate a review of uh, the SFPD's um, operations and their financial management. 
that's part of my agenda. Um, we need to be looking at um, primary policing, frontline policing, uh, making sure that the police are out in the community, um, especially at night. Um, recently, we've seen all kinds of videos popping up on social media of people people recording people stalking their properties at night and people reporting that their vehicles are being entered um, constantly. Um, so people are, are relocating. We're seeing a phenomenon. People are relocating to Smith Falls expecting a small town atmosphere, friendly, safe, kind of leave your doors unlocked kind of atmosphere. And they're actually getting the exact opposite where you have to double and triple check that everything is locked that everything is screwed or glued down, otherwise it's going to go missing. And this is a pro uh, problem that's been developing for some time in town. And obviously there's um, a discontinuity between the performance of the police, necessarily the results that we're seeing in the streets and hearing from our neighbours, um, and the budget that, that we're seeing be spent on them. So we need to... Um, um, you know, we, we, we need to take a close look at their operations. We need to um, have a, a town-wide audit. Part of my agenda is to have an Auditor General installed under Section 223 of the Municipal Act of Ontario, to have an Auditor General um, be part of the town staff to advise uh, Council on um, their performance when it comes to financial reporting obligations and also um, when it comes to options for saving money. So those are the sort of two dual uh, responsibilities of the Auditor General, and that's part of my review would be that. Thank you. Sean, any comments on that? Yes? Yeah, I, I think maybe I, I didn't clarify, but Council has zero authority over the operations of the Police Department, and that's by the Police Act and Municipal Act. Um, it's to ensure there's no political interference in policing. So, so that's, not, that's, there's, that's, not, that's not a stop right there. Um, the town's books are audited every year uh, by an independent auditor. So I, I, again, I think from we have responsibility to supply those numbers to the province. The province has the opportunity to peer into our financials and, and identify if, these, if there are any issues. Um, we're, we've been audited every year. They're available online. Uh, we've, the auditor does report to us every year. If you want to check them out, uh, it's available when the website's working. <laughs> Sorry, it's not working right now. Notice when the website's working? It's down right now, unfortunately. <laughs> Justin, do you have any further comment? Yeah, the, the audit that the mayor is referring to is an external audit, um, and it's, it's a legislated um, mandated by the province for every municipality to perform. Um, the auditor general is an optional um, sort of add-on that council can choose to implement through a bylaw, um, and they're, they're functioning within the structure of the town they're not just receiving information uh, from the town and evaluating it. They're actually looking at the internal controls um, that are, are being used within the town. Um, and I think it's very important that we have um, access to, to that kind of information as councillors um, and that uh, we have that assurance as, as citizens of town that you know, the, the numbers and the budgets um, are all lining up on both sides. And I think that's an essential part of transparency. After the last four years, um, some people have felt disillusioned by some of the increases. I mentioned the, the cost of Beckwith. Um, you know, we've seen the, the cost of policing um, ballooning. Um, and so we, we need to make, be assured that all that money is being directed to the right places and that it's, it's under control in there. And I don't think there's any better way than to have an internal, an internal auditor perform those duties. 
Thank you. All right, next question. Will you work to achieve an arrangement whereby the Smith Falls Recreation Department can operate a swimming program for the children and other citizens of Smith Falls at the pool at the Gallico Center? Justin, would you like to go first? I'm, I'm sorry, a, a recreation... Uh, this is... Um, I'll read it again. Will you work to achieve an arrangement whereby the Smith Falls Recreation Department can operate a swimming program for the children and other citizens of Smith Falls at the pool at the Gallup Center? My, my personal thoughts, like I would love to have a, a pool in town. I think that's something that's uh, seriously missing. Um, we have, uh, obviously, world-class Olympic swimmers that um, have come out of Smith Falls, Bailey Anderson, um, it comes top of mind with that. And there's definitely some future ones uh, coming down the pipeline. Um, so we need to have a space, a clean space for people to swim, uh, preferably, you know, 365 days a year, not just during the summer. Um, however, the pool at the Gallipo Center, I'm not sure um, if that fits the bill and if that's going to be um, necessarily something that's well used by the community. So um, I would have to say that uh, I, I would be a bit skeptical about that. Okay. Thank you. Sean, any thoughts? Yeah, the, the town tends to be, uh, we, we enable recreational services to happen, we build facilities, and, and we, but we don't do programming. Minor hockey and, and all these things are uh, soccer and ball are all examples. We provide sports fields and, and the rink and stuff. Um, so I don't see us getting involved in operating a pool. That said, if a not-for-profit came forward and said we want to operate a pool, they're going to staff it. They're going to run it. They're going to, they're going to raise funds for it. Uh, and they came to council saying, will you support this? Uh, I think there's an opportunity to do so. That said, um, the quickest, cheapest, most effective solution may simply be renting some buses. And for the time being, take, take a group of kids to Perth or take them to Carlton Place where there are pools in place uh, that could be leveraged. And if, if programming got to the level and, and we were in a position where we could afford to develop a new recreational complex, which I don't see happening in the near term, then we look at it. But I think in the short term, that may be a solution, but it's not the town that would likely do that. It's more than likely not for profit would do it. Thank you. Justin, your thoughts? About the pool? About the pool. Yeah, I'm, I'm skeptical. Yeah, so I'm skeptical. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, tax rates in Smith Falls are notoriously high. We heard this one before. What is being done and when and what can be done and your thoughts on that to help the taxpayer? Uh, I think, Sean, I'll, I'll make you go first. I'm sure. Um, I, I've heard this before, and, and I think at one point in time I, I, I agreed with it, but when we, when we look at the average assessment, the average assessment right now in town is still $160,000, and that's times the tax rate and determines your taxes. There is some disparity. There's no question. Some, some bigger homes and newer homes might have a, a higher tax rate. But when MPAC assesses a home, they're still using 2016 valuations. So we did a, we've done comparisons. We do comparisons every tax year, and we are in the middle of the pack. It uh, doesn't mean we're ideal, but uh, and would it be, I'd love to see it lower. But I can say over the last eight years, uh, the average tax rate increase in town has been well below the rate of inflation, less than half the rate of inflation. Uh, over the last term... Uh, we've averaged a tax rate increase, I think, of 0.4% per year over a four-year period, including 0% this year. That's only because we've had growth. Without growth, we, would be fit, we have a choice. We either raise taxes or we defer work in critical infrastructure. But because we've had growth, we're fortunate we can tackle our infrastructure, we can add quality of life and, uh, amenities, 
Uh, we can leverage our financial position now to get federal provincial funding to do projects uh, at a much reduced cost. Usually about, we pay about one-third on average. So overall, I think uh, I, I demonstrates my through my, my years on council uh, responsibility to the taxpayer. And I think going forward, I think as long as we continue to maintain growth, we can continue to mitigate the tax rate and ensure that all of you get good value for your dollars. Thank you. That's good. Um, I, I have to say I'm a bit skeptical about the growth narrative that's uh, been pushed by the current administration. Um, if you look at um, populations, Ms. Falls has only grown 1.3% since 2001, according to StatsCan. Um, during that time, uh, between 2016 and 2021, the number of uh, people who are paying um, more than 30%, which is the affordability threshold for their um, dwellings, uh, more than 30% of their gross income, um, has gone up by 20%. And that's probably under under reporting because we have a lot of uh, people moving to town who have higher incomes um, since the beginning of COVID. Um, so affordability is, is definitely something that suffered. And, and the growth um, that, you know, I've, I've seen the mayor brag on his Facebook page that Smith Falls has increased its, its tax base by 30%. Um, well, that's basically been the growth in house prices um, over the last number of years. Um, so, you know, those MPAC assessments are going to be phased in over the next four years and people's um, uh, taxable assessment is going to be going up. Um, and that's going to make uh, put a lot of people um, in surprisingly unaffordable situations. Um, another thing that I would like people to consider about the town budget and the overall health of it is that Smith Falls actually only collects 3% of its taxes from industrial um, sources. So Smith Falls um, definitely needs to diversify its, um, its revenue collection um, base, um, and that's a serious thing. Um, another thing, just one more thing, is that Smith Falls spends more than three times the amount of Perth, uh, the amount that Perth spends on tourism and economic development um, and I don't think that any of us can ne necessarily say that that's something that we've realized a lot of value for money from. Thank you. Sean, did you have, want to respond to that? Yeah, I don't have the stats can of figures in front of me, but I do know our population peaked in 1962. And we had a slow decline over decades and decades and decades. And from 2001, um, over the next couple of census periods, it was a decline in population. And that largely as a result of, a, of the economic decline we had here, the job losses, and people having to leave for opportunities elsewhere. So that's reversed. And over the last census, I think we've got 400 and some people, which means we're turning and going back the right way. And that's not counting the number of homes that are being occupied right now. I think I don't have to tell anybody that the volume of new residential units being added to town, the number of apartments, the number of new single-family homes, the number of townhomes, were well in excess of 500. You put two people in each of those homes, you got a thousand new people in town. So the next census will reflect some of that growth. Uh, so the growth has enabled us, as I said, to do more things we could not do before. Uh, industrial tax assessment, um, it has grown immensely in the last five years. I think that's, that's probably pretty evident if anyone takes a drive out on Hershey Drive. Thank you. Justin, did you, did you want to comment on those Yeah, comments? the 3% number comes from the most recent financial report on the town's website. So despite this enormous growth, uh, we're still at just 3%. And two-thirds of the revenue that the town collects comes from residential um, tax collections. So 
the, the ultimately it's the, um, the the people who are living in homes, uh, aging in homes, uh, young people who are buying their first home that are footing the bill for for the town's operations. And we definitely need to look at expanding um, that number so that more of that is coming from uh, large multinational corporations that might be looking to locate in Smith Falls that might already be located in Smith Falls. They need to be paying their fair share. Okay, thank you. Um, there will be time for some questions from the public. So as I said at the, the last, um, our last um, debate, not really a debate, um, if you've got some clever questions, get them ready and uh, you'll have a chance to ask a couple. Um, on a grander scale, any thoughts on this whole climate change and getting the town ready for it? And uh, what, what, what's, what do we need to do? Justin, I'll let you go first. Absolutely. Um, I spoke about this at my last um, uh, meet and greet um, in early September. Um, by the way, if you want to join me um, for future meet and greets, I have a date on uh, Friday, um, uh, Friday the 14th and Wednesday the 19th at the Legion Hall upstairs. If you want to join me there, we're going to be having a discussion with other council candidates who want to show up and share their vision as well. Um, but I, it, at my last meeting, I discussed that, um, you know, Climate change is a fact, and the town of Smith Falls or any other town isn't going to be able to change that. Um, what we can do instead is adapt, and we can make sure that people aren't suffering or dying uh, because of the effects of climate change. Um, so what I suggested was that town facilities could be uh, leveraged when the, the temperatures um, go extremely high or extremely low to make sure that people have um, a, a temperature-controlled environment that's safe for them to stay during those times, because many people are crammed, multiple people into houses. Many of the houses in Smith Falls are older with HVAC systems and insulation systems that don't necessarily um, keep the cold out in the winter and configurations that can lead to extreme heat in the summer. Um, if you're living in, say, the top of a, an old Victorian house, you're gonna get cooked alive, essentially. So I would like to see that happen. Another thing I would like to see is a public transit master plan developed. Uh, for Smith Falls because I understand that unlocks certain um, zoning uh, regulations with the province for inclusive zoning. I'd like to see an inclusive zoning bylaw implemented in town where new developments would have to um, essentially provide 30% of their units as affordable housing. And that's uh, enabled through having uh, public transport. And right now we're in the middle of a, a revolution with uh, with buses coming online that are um, electrified instead of running on diesel. Um, so I would like to see um, that possibility explored for Smith Falls, that if we could implement a transportation system that could possibly leverage these electric, electric uh, vehicles uh, for zero emissions, um, low carbon transportation. Thank you. Sean, do you address that? Uh, this issue worries me more than probably anything else. Um, and Teresa and I have seven kids and two grandkids and hopefully more grandkids in the future. And I worry about the world we're leaving for them. And, it, it, I mean, we've seen the Derrico that ran through eastern Ontario, all of Ontario. We see atmosphere, atmospheric rivers hitting certain areas of the world. Pakistan being one-third of being underwater for a period of time. Now, we're, now waterborne disease rampant through the country. We see wildfires. We see hurricanes. We see all kinds of things. We've been fortunate we have not been hit. doesn't mean we won't be hit. So, so firstly, we need to prepare, adapt, and mitigate. And that means making sure our infrastructure is in place to deal with it. 
So separating combined sewers, which is every sewer this side of the river, other than the ones that we've already replaced on Beckwith Street, uh, has to be done. Because we won't have the capacity at our water pollution control plant to deal with the stormwater is going to come in. We're going to have basements filling up with wastewater unless we can get this problem solved. It's a long-term issue. It's not going to be a quick fix. George Street is next, then Maple, and then we can branch out from there. Um, but we need to make sure we can do what we can to prepare. Secondly, uh, from a climate action standpoint, uh, Leonard County is a climate action committee. I volunteered to be our, our, our member of our council to participate in that committee because it, it's, again, near and dear to me. I also volunteered to serve as our representative of the Rideau Valley Conservation Authority for the same reasons. Um, we've, we've committed to partners for climate protection with the federal, federal uh, Federation of Canadian Municipalities, which means we've committed to making a difference and doing our part. Uh, we did, as was mentioned earlier, we did an energy audit with Honeywell, which has helped reduce our carbon emissions, has created some savings. We're doing a, a renovation, the final renovation of the municipal complex, which will enable us to reduce our carbon footprint and save money. But we've got to do an awful lot more, not just corporately, but community-wide. And that's coming next term. Thank you. Justin, any further thoughts on that issue? Um, yeah, I, I would replace the uh, Community Improvement Program grants with uh, Community Accessibility Program grants, um, which would uh, be focused um, instead of um, providing basically welfare to um, companies that are already in business in Smith Falls, it should be profitable, uh, public welfare. Um, we would be looking at um, enhancing accessibility in public spaces. So a business that's uh, well-established in town could apply uh, for funds to increase their accessibility for people with mobility issues um, and also maybe apartment buildings, uh, places like that could apply for money to increase their uh, safety in their common areas to allow better accessibility in the community. Thank you. Anybody from, oh, sorry. Yes, you can make a response. Um, we, we are, there's a public consultation next Tuesday evening. I believe it's just online. Uh, we're finalizing the redevelopment of our community improvement plan. Uh, and within that is two new elements. One, financing funding for obtainable housing so that people are going to build affordable, attainable housing. We can provide them with grants and incentives to do so. And also grants for, for accessibility. So businesses can apply for grants to, as long as it's funded by the next council, I should add that can apply for grants to improve their environment to, to make them accessible. And we know that virtually every business in our downtown will rely on that. Okay, thank you. All right, anybody from the audience, public, who'd like to ask a question? All right, you guys must have done a brilliant job. Oh, over here. You need it, actually, Linda. It's for the, uh, the TV. I always thought I couldn't add it in my speech that we need to have a, a, a public transit. Maybe not as complex as what Justin would like to see in the future, but I would like to see um, a bike, I mean a bike, um, a bus route from one end of town around to the other because it's really afford, can't afford a $12 run one way to get to Walmart and another $12 to get home. Is it possible that we could see Frank Keeley and sit down and you can find a route that would be all right for everybody in town to have? 
Thank you. Justin, you've already uh, explored this issue. Do you want to comment further? Um, when we're talking about public transport in Swiss Falls, it's not uh, something I, I view as a, as a complex thing necessarily. It should, it should just be very simple and predictable, easy for people to understand and easy for people to use. That's what's going to be uh, making the system usable for people that are on low income, people that don't have a driver's license, people who are aging out of driving, uh, people who have mobility or disability um, that prevents them from driving, which is um, a surprisingly large number of people. And, you know, having a system that is just going, um, circulating through through town in a predictable way, I think that's the optimum solution for, for that. Um, another aspect of this that's very important is that the federal government is exploring uh, building um, a high-speed, um, high-frequency rail link between Ottawa and Toronto that would link uh, Smith Falls, Perth, and Peterborough. And I think that if that ends up coming to fruition, which it might if the government, the federal government decides to uh, go ahead with that, they've been studying it extensively for a number of years, um, Smith Falls would be um, really in a position to benefit from that. And I think that uh, that should be a key focus of the, the next council is making sure that we're prepared for uh, the logistics of that and making sure that we have housing that can really leverage that high-frequency transit between Ottawa so that people can find affordable housing to not just work in town, but also may perhaps work in Ottawa or study in Ottawa or also commute to Perth um, and other communities around that would be on that network. So I really look forward to dealing with that in the next council because I really do believe um, in alternative, low-carbon forms of transit. Um, the other thing would be um, harmonizing the the bike path that was installed on Beckwith Street that uh, many of you know I was opposed to. We need to be making the most out of that and making sure that we have a comprehensive cycle path throughout town that uh, allows people, children, uh, commuters, um, you know, pleasure seekers to be able to uh, to access all parts of town and not just be cut off at, at Chambers Street or at the top of Beckwith. Thank you. Sean, your thoughts? Yeah, I'll, I'll work backwards based on the final comment. Uh, the town did complete a, an active transportation and complete streets policy during this term, uh, and that is to guide the redevelopment of, of all streets and sidewalks and pedestrian, pedestrian routes and cycling routes throughout town as we move forward with, with repairs. Uh, so what was done on Beckwith Street is not in isolation. It will be actually eventually part of the whole town. Uh, old slides were mentioned earlier, and, and that is an area where, where there is deep concern. It's not a safe place. And uh, it was identified uh, through this term uh, as a priority for this year's budget. Uh, some work has begun on that. Uh, one of the challenges, of course, is there's guardrails all along there. Uh, so staff are trying to work with Parks Canada to find a method. The guard either got to move a cantilever or a bridge along the water, or we got to be able to push the guardrails back and make it wider to allow a sidewalk. But from a pedestrian standpoint, that is it's in the works. Uh, 30% of our, of our population lives below the poverty line. And that means you can't generally afford transportation if you live in that in, in, with those limitations. I think a cab ride now, Linda, I think it's $14 each way. It's gone up with the recent cost of fuel. So a $28 round trip to go get your groceries uh, is, is ridiculous. And obviously, then people have to walk. And who can carry 20 or 30 pounds of groceries across town on foot? It doesn't happen. Uh, I know people personally who can't get to the food bank because they don't have a vehicle and cannot carry their, their, their food home for the distance that they have to go. So transportation is a huge issue. It was identified in our strategic plan for this term. 
Unfortunately, we didn't get to it. And I don't know if COVID was an impact, other priorities, but we didn't get to it. It is still a priority, but we need to be creative. We probably have a dozen or 20 people in this room. Maybe we have vans that uh, if we provided some funding for them to drive people around town, maybe they'd be willing to do that in their spare time. But we've got to be creative, look at solutions uh, to try and help ensure that people can get where they need to go in an affordable manner. Thank you. Justin, do you want the last word on that? or Are you good? Thank you, Linda. Good question. Any other questions from the audience? Yes, sir. I'll have to have you speak into the mic here. No, the problem is the television. Thank you. Thank you so very much. So um, with the two candidates, with our downtown and most of our waterfront being owned by Parks Canada, a multi-billion dollar federal agency, what are your plans to work with this agency to get the best out for its citizens as well as people visiting our community? Who'd like to handle that one first? Sean? All right. Sure. Um, Parks Canada is, is a very important partner with the town, but they do hold the Trump card. And well, I hate to use the word Trump, but anyway. Uh, yes, please don't um, use that word. We, we, we have, being myself, uh, myself on occasion, but primarily our staff, would have an ongoing dialogue with Parks Canada on a variety of topics. And I'll use the Basque, lighting the Basque Bridge as one example. So we want to be able to highlight that so we can see it at night. So it's beautiful. Well, Parks Canada wants to make sure we do an environmental study because we may be impacting the bats who may be living on the bridge. We also want to make sure that uh, if, if we're going to go down that road, we may have to put a fence around it to protect it as well. Um, they are doing a new, a new master plan for the, for the whole Rio Canal. Uh, we've had the opportunity to have input into the development of that plan. And we are waiting the results of that plan, which will be coming forward early next year. Well, we're told early next year. And that will help us have a foundation to work with. So until they do that, we don't know where we have opportunities and where we have limitations. But communication is obviously very important. We've had an ongoing dialogue with them on a variety of issues. We'll try to, we try to push them where we can, but ultimately uh, they own the property. Uh, they're a crown agency. They have uh, the authority. Uh, they report to a minister. Uh, it, it's not easy. Hope Parks Canada isn't listening. <laughs> Thank you. Justin, your thoughts? Yeah. Um, Parks Canada, it's, it's a part of uh, the reality of Smith Falls being um, a World Heritage Site and part of a huge park. Um, um, so that's, that's something that... Um, you know, like the mayor said, I mean, we need communication. Um, we need to have good links with our federal representatives um, to make sure that they're being linked in um, and, and made aware of what the agenda is for uh, for the municipal uh, side of things. Um, you know, it, it's a federal bureaucracy. It's a big government bureaucracy, and you never know exactly what their intentions are or what their um, agenda is until they fully release it. Um, probably they don't even know what their agenda is. Um, so, 
you know, we need to we need to be patient and, and develop something over the long term that can be sustainable because we've just seen a totally, you know, a total schmaz, I would call it, just with this uh, with this Confederation Park and, and the urban urban campground that used to be such a flagship uh, for tourism in our town, uh, completely decimated. Now it's just a big empty lot. Um, so we need to really be following closely with them and maintaining those relationships not necessarily publicly pressuring them because in the end, uh, politicians are there making decisions. So maybe they don't appreciate being uh, pushed too much. Um, but we need to be maintaining that back channel and, and understanding that they have their process and we need to be engaging in that. Thank you. Got time? We have time for one more question from the public, if there is one. All right. All right, there isn't. So, um, chance to sum- summarize, uh, Sean, you're first. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, again, for your participation, Paul. Thank you for, again, being up here to, to moderate and, and keep us in line. Um, when I ran for a seat on town council in 2010, I never envisioned being mayor. I just wanted to help my town. We were living through many challenging times, and our future looked quite uncertain. I decided to run for mayor in 2014 on the premise that we needed fresh ideas and new vision. The town had experienced very limited growth in the previous decades. We were burdened with, with debt and age and deteriorating infrastructure. I believe growth in our population and assessment was critical to our long-term sustainability, and, then, and without it, taxes would need to rise significantly if we were to effectively address our infrastructure deficit. Significant progress has been made between, was, was made between 2014 and 2018. We paid down debt. We committed to a long-term financial plan and asset management plan. We completed a service sustainability review, and we uncovered over $500,000 annual savings. All this helped form a foundation for a more secure and sustainable future. In 2018, you elected a new council that reflected the values of an evolving community. The town started experiencing significant growth, and numerous housing projects were underway or in the pipeline. Four years later, our commitment to infrastructure renewal has, been, has seen the completion of numerous capital projects across town the enhancement of quality of life amenities and growth and assessment that we had previously never experienced. Growth that enabled our town to leverage federal, federal and provincial funding for key infrastructure projects that relied on only about $13 million of local taxpayer dollars to complete $36 million in capital work since 2016. The majority of that money and, and work in the last four years. Every four years, the elected officials face judgment day. Every four, year, every four years, the voters of Smith Falls have to decide if the incumbents seeking re-election have done their job or not. Have they moved the community forward in positive ways? Have they been responsible with your tax dollars? Have they been strategic and adaptable to, to changing realities? Have they represented our community properly and effectively? Do they deserve another four years, another four-year term? Do I deserve another four-year term? And that'll be up to you. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Justin. Um, I I think the most important takeaway um, from the last four years and from this debate is that um, you want to make sure that your elected officials are respecting the will of the community, um, respecting the will of the majority, and making sure that their decisions conform with the will of the majority as opposed to their own personal agenda. Everyone has their own personal ideas, their own personal ideology. However, as a politician, 
when you put yourself out there for election, you you are volunteering to act in a way that's consonant with the community and not just with your own values and your own ideas. And that you're acknowledging that you are going to conform to the to the community, not just to your own personal views. That is the most um, important thing in all of this. Is do you do you believe that this mayor, after his two terms in office, is going to have um, a, a, an awakening, so to speak, where he um, conforms his decision making to the population and, and their goals, or? Is he going to continue to have his own agenda, his own ideas and ideology that he's going to force on the community? So that's the question that you have to ask yourself. Um, there's a saying that fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. Uh, sh- uh, sorry, shame on you. Um, you know, we need to um, be making sure that we don't um, get fooled again. Um, basically, um, that's my, my thing. Um, I would also say that... Um, we need to be um, accelerating also um, for the worst 25% of roads in town. We need to be accelerating the capital management plan for those roads specifically. They need to be identified and they need to be prioritized. We've had a real trouble with prioritization with this council. The next council needs to put um, the people that live here first. It needs to um, not focus so much on its own backyard, so to speak, with the new uh, parking lot that the town has and focus more on the bumpy roads that people have to drive every day. And I would also just close on um, the idea that I ran a a business in Smith Falls for uh, seven years, um, and I've thrown more parties um, in town than I think everyone else on this debate stage. Um, And I think that I would like to bring that experience um, to liven up the downtown um, and make sure that we're throwing events that make Smith Falls, um, restore Smith Falls' reputation as a destination for entertainment and special events that people want to attend. So those will be my goals going forward, and that's what I want you to consider coming away from tonight's debate. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. I think all of you will agree that's been very interesting, and I'd like to compliment both of you on a job very well done. Um, That brings to the close um, this evening, so you're all allowed to go home now. Uh, remembering that all of us are here because we care about Smith Falls. And we wish both of the candidates the best of luck in the upcoming election. And thank you all for your time. So there you have it, folks. Our two candidates weigh in on the issues. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been a special episode of Season 2, Smith's Falls On. Smith's Falls On Season 2 has been brought to you by Setu Bakery, Andrus Independent Grocer, and Howard Kelford and Dubois, Barristers and Solicitors. Thanks so much to those three for supporting the program, and take care, Smith's Falls. See you next time. <laughs>